I feel like um, Danielle Walsh, you know, the one from. Oh, oh, my God. Yes. Like, Let's get lit. Yeah. <laughs> so for Paris tonight, let me show you what we're drinking. She would use that as a mixer. What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> this is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Wasted potential. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. Welcome to Bad Author Book Club, where we're not like other authors, we're worse. I'm Ryan LaSala. And I'm Clarabelle A. Ortega, and we're two authors reading the most bizarre fiction we can find. Before we get started, going to do a little plug for our socials. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Anchor at anchor.fm slash badauthorbookclub. Are, are we still using Twitter? I guess so. Kinda. I think but we're we not calling it out X. eventually. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm, I refuse. We're not doing that. Um, we'll do it maybe like one or two more times and then we'll like, I don't know. We'll find another home. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Bad Author Pod, Instagram at Bad Author Book Club, and our website is badauthorbookclub.wordpress.com. Bam. And our <laughs> Discord, it's in the show notes. Come chat with us, girly girls and baby boys and sexy days. Baby days. The baby days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my world, everyone's a girly girl or a baby boy, um, or they them. You don't need like an honorific if you're they them. You're already cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's already all. cute. You're, yeah, you're the best. You're so cute. Yeah. Such hey, a hi. Everyone's texting me. Hold on, let me move this over. Here. Of course they are. Of course they are. A lot of texts. Well, I've been like out of out of. I've been away. I've been hanging out in the in the ether. But how do you feel? How do you feel? being home mm. even though like i feel like this whole time for you is kind of like in flux because you have a book coming out so soon so it's like probably cuckoo bananas cuckoo bananas and a half i mean i have never been so chill about a book coming out but i've also never been in so much denial about the things that i need to do in order to prepare for a book to come out also mm. i feel like i've learned my lesson in terms of like what is effective in terms of like the use of my time prior to a book. And I think I've just gotten a little bit better at prioritizing. So there's like certain things I'm going to do, but I know that like ultimately what's going to crack the code is I want to make a few TikToks that are going to go viral. And like, that's going to handle a lot of the promotion for, for me. And maybe I think that, cause that's what happened with the honeys, like the honeys, all the promo that I did was so overshadowed by like a day of TikTok that like beat the crap out of. That is so fucking annoying. That is so fucking annoying. (laughs) It is I, so annoying. It, I agree. And for those listening, being like, wow, that that's annoying. I agree. I totally agree. I'm not happy either. But that is my that is like, I don't want to say that that's my plan. But OK, you know, here it is. We talk about this sometimes. I know that my publisher is doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Right, right. That has a way bigger impact than like my like one off posts here and there, because I know the people that love and adore me have been mm-hmm. looking at my content this whole time and are they're going to buy the book. They're going to show up. And you have readers who like follow you on Goodreads and like wait and like follow you on Amazon and like are right. waiting for like your the notification, like right. new release, whatever. Exactly. And with the Honey's paperback just coming out and that being the Barnes and Noble like YA pick for August and ending, it Which, has a preview. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited timing. about that. That's yeah. such a huge thing. It's a huge thing. It is incredible timing. And the paperback of the Honey's I like finally got my hands on one. I literally had to like go and buy it myself. It has a excerpt of Beholder in the very back Perfect. of it. So it is the first time I've ever had a book that was like, did you like this? Well, check out like what's next. And I don't know. I feel like that that is something that like I used to love in books, like a little preview of like oh, the author's next 100%. book. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. So that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. I feel like you're going to be fine because like we said, we, ha- we, you have like established readers and people, mm-hmm. I feel like your career is such that it's very much been like building, it's mm-hmm. been going upwards, right? Like with every book, it's kind of like 
especially since you started in like the horror genre, I yeah. feel like it's felt like you're going like very much in this like upward trajectory. But I also feel so frustrated that like our reliance on TikTok is like mm-hmm. so enormous. I actually right before um we got on this call, I I posted on Blue Sky. I refuse to say skeeted. Do they know that has a sexual connotation? I think that they do. I really think that they must it know this. It is gross. I I'm not doing it. I fucking hate it. Me, Me too. Either. It's so disgusting. Anyway, so I posted that mm. like we need to start roasting publishers for not like supporting authors and i said like specifically bipoc authors but i think it applies to queer authors too because like they felt the pressure for a couple of years and then that died down and they're like back to white people and like back to straight like back to colleen hoover and like the list was like the ya list last week i think was like all white except for jason reynolds that's like a fucking meme (laughs) yes yes it is it's that is so nuts and I feel like people mentioned that publishing, like, sort of did this, like, big tribute to, like, you know, diverse stories, especially during the summer of the protests of, like, Joy- like George Floyd and, like, Juneteenth. Like, we had this big symbolic showing in publishing, and yeah. then we've just been stepping back from that kind of support ever since, which is the exact opposite. The whole point of that was, like, to point out that, like, you have not put these, like, systemic supports in place until now, and that's abhorrent. And now to kind of watch how how further back we've stepped um, to a standard that actually defies in a negative way where we were at before <laughs> a lot yeah. of these pushes went. It is. It's so it's bad. It's so horrible. It's so mm-hmm. horrible. And someone on Blue Sky, I think it was Samira Ahmed, actually, was like, Love Samira. the reliance on TikTok is like really difficult mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. I actually think TikTok has made everything worse because the algorithm pushes the same kinds of people over and over again. And the, the, the creators that are pushing our books I mean, we know the queer tax on TikTok, right? We've talked oh my, about this. Yes. How long? How much longer it takes for our videos to post? Whenever mm-hmm. we post about something queer, we use like a, a gay hashtag or like mm-hmm. a rainbow, like anything like that. It takes us longer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the algorithm pushes those kinds of things less. It's been proven that the algorithm favors skinny, light skin mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And it is just so disheartening because it's like it's not for lack of trying there are so many people talking about these kinds of books i would say there's definitely more people not talking about them because they're just like i don't care i want to read colleen hoover but Mm -hmm. the people who are talking about our books are usually people who look and like have the identities that like we're writing about and like we share with them right so Mm -hmm. they are already suffering from that like lack of boost on TikTok. So it's like yeah. a perpetuating thing. And it's, I was thinking about this so much. Like, I tried to make like a Discord for like authors of color to like boost one another, but I just like don't feel like it's enough. I feel like we need to start some sort of like collective that is doing more, like mm-hmm. a sort of like community. I have, I have not thought this through, but a sort of like community that like helps not just like push each other's content, but like, help support each other on these important days like cover reveals things like that like you know how we will sometimes be for people who don't know sometimes we will email like our networks like hey Mm -hmm. or text our friends like hey i have a cover reveal tomorrow can Mm -hmm. you boost Mm -hmm. i feel like we need to show like power and numbers and i don't think that it needs to be limited to just our communities we should let people in who want to support us too because the more Mm -hmm. people that are in there the better but i just feel like something needs to be done right i don't want to go back to the days of just like dragging books all the time and fighting i don't want that yeah but i think we need to show them that we have a voice yes you know like we need to show them like hey we have a voice like so many of our books have done well and have proved to them that people Mm want to read our books Mm -hmm. and yet it's like "Mm, we're gonna nobody's putting pressure on us so we're gonna go back to the same old ways and it's very frustrating The version of this that I kind of keep coming back to, which I don't think is feasible at all, is I just want to start, like, publishing Illuminati. Like, I'm a well-connected author in publishing. All my friends are talking about the same things behind the scenes. And I'm just like, okay, 
then why do we need like buy-in from the larger public? I just want to start like a small coven and I want to pull strings <laughs> behind the scenes. And of when course, your solution's s- a cult. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh my god, yeah. It is. No, literally. And like the the I like because you know what? Like when people run afoul in a really specific way in publishing. Like, I've had people that have made, like, homophobic comments about me behind the scenes that, like, you and me and a few of our friends have discussed. And within an hour, that person has been struck from, you know, like, our consideration as someone that, like, we would go to for, like, a collab or things like that, too. Right. And Mm. this is very different than blacklisting because we're not an institution. But I will say that, like, once... I've sort of gotten to the echelon of like having good friends with sustained careers. I find that there's way more power and energy in banding together outside of the framework of publishing, just on the terms of like peers. And I love that, but you know, you can't rely on a peer network for delivering a systemic change, right? Like it's just not, that's not how that works, but it is Mm -hmm. a great thing just to have as like a personally sustained like source of like, I don't know, energy and a place to go when you're like frustrated about these sort of things too. So I kind of come back to that too, where I'm like, yeah, like these communities that we form ourselves, like, of course it's a very queer thing that like, we always come back to the communities that we make for ourselves, but just like you, I want to see these changes sort of beyond the communities that I'm creating myself, right? Like, I don't want it to just be the same, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the same, like 20 of us, like passing around the same $20 all the time. That's exactly what it fucking is. Like, we're mm-hmm. all sharing one white claw. Like, let's get <laughs> yeah. it together. Yeah. Sick of it. We're at the slumber party. One person brought, like, a Mike's Hard Lemonade. And, like, Not that's a what Mike's. we've got. Not <laughs> yeah, a I've never had one of those. I've never oh, given good. it to being you iced. I feel like um, Danielle Walsh, you know, the one from. Oh, oh my God. Was yes. Like, let's get lit. <laughs> yeah. So for Paris tonight, let me show you what we're drinking. She would use that as a mixer. She, someone made a playlist of like, yeah. it was like, you're having, uh, you're having pre's at. Daniel Walsh's Before the Gaff. <laughs> That's the name is of so it. so good. If you all don't know who we're talking about, look up Daniel Walsh on TikTok if you're 21. Um, if you're not, then yeah. just keep guessing. Here, if you're not wait 21. Till, wait till you're 21. Wait till you're 21. And that could be your gift for yourself. Yeah, from the Bad Author Book Club. Um, the TikTok girl that I can't get enough of right now, she's just in one TikTok. Have you ever seen that girl who, it's like someone's just interviewing random people at the club and this girl's clearly like, she's on something. I don't know what it is. Or she's just cool. I don't know. It's hard to know. And and this person's like, do you like nice guys or do you like assholes? <laughs> this girl like takes the mic and she goes, an ancient man. I'm looking for an ancient man. And the I guy feel inter- like I have seen this. <laughs> yeah, the guy interviewing her is like, what? And she like looks at him and it's clear that they're having like two separate conversations. But she attempts to clarify by going like, from the 1800s? <laughs> and- <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then she like she like giggles at like her friend, and then like clearly her friend is like get off the camera, and she like literally sprints into the background. And I can't stop thinking uh, about her. I understood what she was are, talking about. Those are the kinds of people that make the world go round. Personally, yeah, I, she should be in charge of the this author collective idea that I yeah. just spat out. When um, when suddenly the answer to publishing is an ancient man. Actually, that's probably that's actually the problem in publishing is too many ancient men. Mm-hmm. That you've hit the nail on the head. I think mm-hmm. that is correct. Too many ancient men. But I we I feel like something has to be done. Like we have to, we, there are power there's power in numbers. Like Yeah. It's a it's a horrible example, but like when people were being crazy on Twitter mm. back in the day and mm. like books would get canceled because there was such a big backlash. Imagine yeah. we could harness that power and energy into mm-hmm. something positive. I think yeah. it's a lot harder because people yeah. love to just be mean. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're being mean to publishers, they might actually get on board. Like, let's, let's be mean I- mean to, to publishers, publishers. Yeah. yeah 2023 <laughs> today's episode is chapter eight countdown to the final simulation exam three weeks lex <laughs> 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 
Oh my god. Whenever they, they have the countdown, I always think of the Beyonce song that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I know. I can't believe that you got that reference <laughs> from my like baritone rendition of Beyonce, which, oh my it. God, not to like further avoid this book, but I did just see Beyonce in concert. <gasps> like I just got back from this like a Is week ago. Is your life changed? I cannot believe the experience that I had. Like, I don't spend money on, like, big concerts or shows because I've never felt, like, the need. But for this and for, like, the queer culture sort of in, like, the Renaissance album, I was like, I really want to see this and her. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the looks alone were, like, incredible. I could have watched that concert on mute. So I spent all of this money to, like, see it. And we, like, sat down and within, like, two songs... You know, I, and I was worried that I was like, oh, I spent all this money, like, will it be worth it? But within two songs, the thought that I was having was, I did not pay enough money to see this. Wow. Like, this is so good. And I mean, it was, Beyonce's it was great. a legend. Yeah. Getting to see her live mm-hmm. is incredible. That's so yeah. cool. It was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. But anyhow, Countdown. She didn't do it during her lineup, which I was bummed about, but... She has too many good songs. What are you going to do? It's, it's true. She did hit after hit for like three hours. Anyways, back to Lex. So <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> so Lex is uh, the, the, the chapter opens with three more weeks, says Cade, and I won't have to hide my art anymore. <laughs> I, this feels so empty to me. Like I'm, tr- I was trying to find like the words to describe like how it feels to like, First of all, have them tell us all of these things about, like, how they've been feeling and what they've been doing this whole mm-hmm. time. And it's like, why aren't we been shown any of these things? Like, we should feel like we've been on a journey with them at least a little bit, right, up to this point. We are already, like, so far into the book. This is but, but page 102, by the way. Yeah, and I will also say, I think part of that is because... Two mm. reasons. First of all, we've only actually been in the academy for three chapters. Like this is the third chapter we're in the academy. We, yeah. The beginning of it was just like her as a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And then those chapters were used to sort of like they were squandered. They were used to show that like Casina's a big bitch and yep. like Lex is like so super talented. But like I don't feel like I got a real sense of place or of anything really on aside from like Lex feeling like she's not good enough despite all evidence to the contrary um I just don't feel that feeling of like oh my god they're almost they're like three weeks away like they're gonna graduate like this is so exciting I don't feel that at all like I don't feel the curiosity of like what comes next yeah because I don't really feel like we got a sense of this place so i don't have high hopes for what whatever happens after right like in fantasy and in fiction oftentimes people want to cover a much longer time span than just like you know a few days right and this book is attempting to cover years of these girls lives and so the authors have the really tough choice of picking and choosing which scenes they feel like indicate the passage of time but also the development of character I would not say that they've picked the right scenes. Like, the last Lex chapter, they spent playing buzz ball or whatever. Exactly. And, like, it collapsed, like, what could have been a really interesting chapter into, like, a, a kind of well-written sports scene. <laughs> so I was like, this is actually good writing. But ultimately, like, did that cover, like, the territory that it needed to cover in order? Like, I, I, and at the same time, I'm like, why are we doing any of this? Like... It's a high wire act to kind of pick these scenes and curate like a long period of time through like just specific scenes. But all of this is nullified by this senselessness because none of this really feels like it matters at all to the plot. Right. But like start it at the actual simulation exam, start the book there. And with a few sentences here and there, like you can deploy some exposition as to Kane's character or Samantha like them vanishing like but you need to you need to find a way as an author to come up with points of exposition as they relate to the plot at hand and the fact that we haven't actually even reached the plot on a page 102 totally evacuates any sort of urgency from what's going on in these chapters 
Yeah, I, I completely, completely, completely agree with everything you just said. Like, even, like, in the very, very beginning of this chapter where they say, they say, no more hiding away in this creation studio. No more painting with snorts and shouts and buzzes. Like, we didn't get to see any of that. Show like, that. I want to see the, yeah. the snorts. Yeah, like we're we can't possibly be attached to this thing that's happening when we're Mm -hmm. not watching it happen like Mm -hmm. we can't be nostalgic or like emotional or attached to their relationship Mm -hmm. because we haven't even watched it unfold what the fuck was the point of buzzball i i absolutely (laughs) don't understand they're so so they're in this like stupid like under uh, underground like studio i don't understand how the like the setting work well they're definitely underground because that's the whole point of the book so we know that no 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 i mean like this i mean the actual studio is like even further underground like it's like hidden under something else yeah they're in like like, forgotten hallway and basically the academy has a lot of leftover space and they've been exploring a lot of it but they have a specific space in it that kane calls the center of creation or cock or cock oh my god you're right it is cock. And it says COC. And I was like, why does this say cock? First of all, second of all, they're on drugs. They're literally on drugs. Oh my God. To be a teen rolling around in cock on drugs. Just my dream. So okay, they are on drugs, so we should we should specify. So they've basically stolen what are called boosters from like the infirmary. And this is jumping ahead just a little bit, but like, yeah, they're they're taking these like sensory enhancing like sensory boosting drugs basically and looking at like the colors around them in the second this happened i was so mad because okay listen we're complaining about the fact that we're not actually getting to see enough of the everyday in this academy to feel any sort of way about leaving behind Mm. the academy and when you have a scene where there's a buzzball game, when you have a scene where the character's on drugs, you're actually dropping the characters out of the everyday and into sort of a little pocket dynamic where things change, right? The rules of buzzball are not the rules of everyday. The rules of being on drugs totally contradict the rules of, like, you know, everyday, right? So we're actually stepping out of the everyday to do whatever we're going to do, right? Like have like a little bit of like a reverie situation on drugs um, or have like an intense game of buzzball. And the second this started happening and I was like, oh God, like yet another chapter where we're just sort of stepping away from like what actually probably matters and where it's going to go. And, and I don't even know, like fuck around in the cock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're basically talking about this like weird studio they're in how Kane steals stuff all the time and it's filled with all the things that he's mm-hmm. stolen through the years mm-hmm. there's absolutely no surveillance at this place like when you think about the juxtaposition of how much they say like everything is is like measured and they're being watched and yet they're stealing all the time doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing all the time and yep. there are no consequences, never get caught, never mm-hmm. a threat of getting caught. It's mm-hmm. just zero tension. Yeah. And you know who has consequences? Casina. She's the only character in this academy who I feel like is being surveilled. Well, she's a bitch. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's on she's on the bitch radar because we get like outright Lex is like mentioning the fact that Kane has stopped acknowledging Casina and that she sort of has moved on to trying to court other men in the academy or boys. I think they're like people her age, basically. Um, but she loves him. Like Lex knows that Casina loves Kane and hates her all the more for the fact that like they spend time together. And of course, there's the usual derogatory sort of contaminating terminology that gets heaved now at Kane while um, he insists on hanging out with Lex, like, you know. If you hang out with that dirt girl, you're bound to get filthy, things like that. Um, but meanwhile, Kazina is like making out with every other boy and then dumping them in like big emotional fits, um, like every other month. So sh- we're we're keeping really close tabs on Casina. I'll say that. And I feel like this whole Lex has a line where she says she can she 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 knows Casina loves Kane. That she can tell, and it kills her that it only goes one way. Didn't that sound almost, like, gleeful? Like, it kills her that it only goes one way. Yeah, it just feels really mean-spirited that she's, like... She doesn't say she's taking pleasure in it, but it, it... Because she doesn't say how she feels, 
it feels gleeful, like the way it's written, like that she's glad, like, oh, he doesn't like her back. Stupid bitch. Yeah. There's also like this idea here that like the hot artsy boy is going to always go for like the mysterious girl. Like that's kind of her winning power, Lex, right? Like we actually don't know why they really hang out because again, we haven't been able to like see much of them. And even in this interaction, I was kind of hoping because this is clearly going to be a scene about like their interest in one another. I was hoping that we get to learn a little bit more like why he's interested in her, you know? Well, just because everybody likes her. That is, like, kind of the rule when it comes to these kind of really poorly written characters. Mm-hmm. The same thing goes for Tookie and Bravo. The same thing goes for, you know, the main character in Handbook for Mortals. They had absolutely no redeeming qualities, but everybody just liked them because they did. And they assumed we didn't have to get an explanation for that because my character is just so great. She's actually a giant bitch. Do you think that this comes out of a blind spot in the author's repertoire, right? Like, do you think it's because, like, people like Lex and, and, sorry, um, Candle and the other one, like, they can't quite discern why people are magnetized to them because a portion of them withholds the knowledge that it's simply for their proximity to, like, fame and money and all of these things? Like, I can't tell how these characters like are just produced and how people I mean you know what no it's not because the Mary Sue type of character definitely surpasses like she can be written by anybody really and it's a common enough mistake that like amateur writers make that maybe it has nothing to do with the fact that um, the authors are like wealthy celebrities but I, I, I don't think it's about wealthy celebrity I actually think it's more of a misogyny thing mm-hmm. it's a uh, we have to have a character who everybody loves, but she cannot acknowledge why everybody loves her. Oh my God, she needs yeah. to not be aware of her own beauty and skill because it's the moment she is, she becomes a bitch. Yes. Any character in the books that we've written so far and like this is read so far and like the books that sort of like follow these same mm-hmm. tropes. That's like a very common thing. Like she's beautiful, but she doesn't know it. Like that's Bella Swan was the same way. Like, she's beautiful but she's a klutz and she doesn't wear makeup and she doesn't know how beautiful she is and that's why she's attractive to Edward because the moment she's self-possessed and like aware of her beauty she becomes Casina she becomes Arpeza you can't be beautiful and know it because then you're a giant bitch and a slut (laughs) and a slut it's that line (laughs) from the Fifth Direction song um, that's like that's what makes you beautiful. Like that song, like Who's the line where they're like, direction. Uh, oh, one direction. It's just the one, just the one. Fifth, fifth harmony. harmony. Fifth and harmony. And one, direction. one direction has merged. Oh and they're fifth direction. They're, yeah, they're one, <laughs> one harmony. Uh, and it's, it's that line where they're like, you don't know you're beautiful. That's what makes it's you exactly beautiful. That. It, like that is, and that's like yes. the very last like moment in the song too. Such an insidious turn at the end of the song to be like, you don't know it. And that's what makes it like possible. Because if a girl does not know why like people like her or sort of like where this value ranking system sort of occurs outside of her, she's mm-hmm. easy, easier to control. Right. Like, but the second yeah. she's in control of this, she's aware of it. She can manipulate it. And that is the biggest threat to men in incels. That's like their number one fear. is <laughs> that like yes. a girl like is going to like withhold her affection because she knows her value and she knows that she doesn't have to give it. But if we keep them small and if we keep them like blind to these things, then they're so much easier to control. So you're, you're dead on. This is nothing to do mm-hmm. with like, class or money it's everything to do with misogyny but i'm sure those things intersect somehow i don't know if there's a sociologist on the line please call in let us know we need help <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we need some help I don't even know. so basically we're talking so there was a line that i didn't really understand okay so the only lex says the only person who doesn't care about kane is little vippy oh yeah then she says she only has eyes for me is she gay and then she goes, this has been going on since the Book of Indra show off session. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it says, of course, it's me. They suspect of everything. Of being of being a rebel, of being a rebel, I think. That's very confusing. When did that switch happen? 
Was it during the the baseball game? No, because Vippy's but whole... But Vippy was the one who was... That got accused. Like, she, like, almost... Like, she, like, attacked Vippy and was like, you better not be a rebel on God or whatever. I'm going to kick your <laughs> oh, ass. God, period. Period. <laughs> oh, dead ass. Um, dead. <laughs> yeah, she said dead. Vippy. You better not be a rebel. Ass. Dead ass. She only <laughs> has eyes... She only has eyes for me. I mean, like, that... I don't know if they meant to put that there. Yeah. I I don't think I don't think I don't think us queering Vippy is going to get us anywhere. It's not, but I'm just really confused about this like mm. order of things. I guess it doesn't really matter. So she's talking about how she can't, this frustrates the fuck out of me. Her admittance to the academy can't be explained. Mm-hmm. And then the very next line, top performance marks, beating records on her airspeeder. Bitch, that's why you were admitted. You're good. You have skill. It's okay to say it. Like yeah. this, but like she keeps being confused. Why am I here? Why am I here? With Tookie, at least Tookie thought she was fucking ugly, right? Like <laughs> this girl knows she's good at stuff. So why yeah. is she so confused? Like you're good. You're beating records. You're better than everybody else. Yeah. Have a fucking spine about it. Like just admit it. It's so <laughs> annoying. There has to be a reason, though no one can figure out what it might be. That's what it literally says. What the fuck? This whole Cadet Academy is baffled. They can't figure it out. I mean, no wonder the rebellion is going so well. The cadets are fucking idiots. <laughs> These they're people ding-dongs. Have, yeah, ding-dong. <laughs> Lieutenant Ding-dong reporting for duty. So, okay, back in the cock. Uh, we are, let's see. Um... They talk about debut ball season and that Kane, who remember is like highborn, like would be at debut ball season, which is where Livia is about to be, right? Like he would have known her um, had he not decided to go to the academy. And they have a small discussion about um, about this. Kane yes. de- Kane explains a debut ball. And of course, Lex is like, this sounds like the craziest shit ever heard which i have to agree with her it probably does sound really crazy especially if like you're a little dirt girl right she takes the chance to sort of not like other girls the girls who are doing the debut Mm -hmm. and says um who would want to prance around in a dress instead of blasting rebels (laughs) and she doesn't care about cohabitation like the other girls Literally putting the other girls. Suddenly she's turned into this like sort of like Nickelodeon cartoon where she's like, um, why would I be doing anything else I could, when I could be blasting something? I'm like, you just learned this. You don't even really know about this. Like your reaction to a terrorist attack was to play like basketball. Like, I don't understand how this has become the center of your personality. And what we're missing here is like a personal route to why the rebels would be like this antagonizing force for Lex and they do make an attempt later to sort of like draw Samantha and remember Samantha who like went missing but yes. even that was like the institutions basically the orphanage is the thing that abandoned Samantha it wasn't the rebels that would have been so much better right. if like she just went missing and someone was like oh the rebels killed her during like one of their raids then we have a reason for vengeance but the reason given here is that like well, when Samantha went missing, like, probably the rebels killed her. We didn't even know that. But, like, that's what I think happened, which is just so flimsy. Okay, all right. So, anyways, they they go ahead and they talk about the debut ball. And Kane explains it to Lex. I wish he would explain it to us because I still don't even fucking know what happens with the debut ball. But we don't get an explanation, just that it sounds They debut. Inane. They debut. <laughs> they debut. <laughs> Do you think they're in like debut groups like authors are when it's like the the roaring 20s <laughs> and it's like yeah. on Facebook groups? But anyways, anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked. Um, she mentions that she actually is refusing during this conversation to mention Kane's weird behavior. His distract. He's distracted a lot. He's disappearing for long stretches and he's showing up suddenly without an explanation. He doesn't smile as much. So this is like a recent development. So like Lieutenant Ding Dong reporting for Rebellion, like he's definitely with Vippy rebelling. Like that's what's going to happen here. Yeah. I hate that. Again, this is just like sort of info dumped on us. There's so much telling and not showing. And I know that that like 
show versus tell is like a very tricky thing because I think at a certain point in your sort of journey as being a writer, you don't, you can actually tell, but you need to know when to tell and when not to tell. And this is the kind of thing that if it's going to lead up to a big reveal, like Mm. him being a rebel, Mm -hmm. we should have seen at least three different instances of him actually disappearing and acting weird, not her telling us, Mm-hmm. Oh, he's. I'm not gonna bring up that he's acting weird. Like this yeah. is the first we've heard of it. Like yeah. she keeps. They keep introducing ideas and concepts and issues to us, and then expecting us to have some sort of reaction to it or curiosity about it. But it's like this is the first I've heard of this. It's not intriguing if you just mm-hmm. dump it on my lap and tell me that I'm supposed to be interested in it, which is essentially what they're doing here. You want me to solve this so quick? Here's how I would have done the scene. It starts with Lex on, like, the outskirts of this, like, place where they're always sneaking off to, and Kane's late again. She can't believe it. He's been coming, like, later and later every time. She's been wondering about his activities. He's being, like, less forthcoming, but she attributes this to the fact that they're all stressed because of the simulation exam, and we get some details about the simulation exam and her own preparation for it. Kane finally shows up, and he's, like acting really sketchy and like not looking her in the eye and she's wondering if she even knows him but then he opens his hand and he's got like poppers or boosters or whatever the drugs are oh my god a convenient explanation to like why he was late yada 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 and a distraction that maybe she'll look back on later but for the time being she wants to cherish the limited time that they have together so she looks past it that's how you should do this. You show that he's late. I you love deploy that. all of that information. You suddenly introduce like the the pop I, they're not called poppers. The boosters. Boosters. <laughs> the boosters as, as like a distraction, right? But the scene starts and all of the pieces are already in place. Like all of these they're already here. They're talking about it. So she's just reflect like reflecting. Um and telling us these things when all of that could have been shown and we don't need to see the whole expanse of this relationship we just need to be a little smarter about putting these pieces in the right order when we're constructing a chapter yes please poppers so then we start they start talking about the boosters and how every the ceiling is so fascinating because you know they're high or whatever yeah and they start talking about how the boosters are used to enhance sort of the like the sol- the cadets or like the soldiers senses during battle mm-hmm. and may uh, they say maybe on missions i guess to hear enemies miles away to smell out explosives and immediately i'm like oh things that Le- that lex can already do, do right yes. yeah so then they get into that they're like this must be what it's like for you all the time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> sometimes like I wish I'm... I could do that stuff. <laughs> Hear people whispering, see stuff through the dark. <laughs> She's like, no, you don't. You'd be a, as big a freak as me. And you're already close. Oh my God. <laughs> Get the fuck over it. So annoying. Oh, he's like, you tell me if I smell bad, right? Cause you'd be the first to know. Right. Um, they're like giggling. By the way, the boosters have different colors. They're on the pink boosters. Just, I don't think that's a relevant detail. Just in but, case. Just yeah, in the, case. the pink Anybody... ones, which the army uses to make soldiers giggle, <laughs> apparently. So I'm like, why would the army make these? If, well, I think it's like a sedative, like a light sedative. So they're they're right. taking these. And uh, and he's making sculptures. There are sculptures um, from his sound paintings that he's been making. Um, But they're still beautiful, but they're horrifying. That's the other thing. So they're sort of like contemplating these like horrifying sculptures that he's made. And this one, oh, what this one, didn't this one have like spikes for eyes? It's like a person with like big spiky eyeballs, right? Yeah, I kept thinking, what if it falls on them? Then what? (laughs) Then what? (laughs) What now? Then what? (laughs) Yes. You're going to hear it before it falls, Lex? (laughs) She's going to smell it before it hits her. Let's see. Hold on. Oh, let me let me describe it for you. Bolts, wires, and empty rounds left over from target instruction all fused together into the shape of a body, a face with spikes coming out of the eye sockets. The sculpture glares down at us. Um, Kane describes it as you, me, everyone, I guess. Ugh. So they, they, they start talking about how much Lex wants to kill everybody. Like, all of the... <laughs> rock bottom scavs she calls them 
Mm-hmm. And Kane's like, and what? What are you going to do? She's like punishing them, decimating them. And Kane's like, okay, why? Like, why do you want to do this? Like, great question. What's the point of doing mm-hmm. this? And she's like, wow, Kane, you are smart, especially on boosters. And I said, miracle? Is that you? Why are you especially? What happened to especially? I guess not. So she, it's just showing her like angry and yeah, how mad, mad she is about about it. And she says, our people are getting killed. And Kane's like, hold on. Just who are your people? And I'm glad he's calling her out for yeah. being ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. honestly, first of all, this happened as far as I can tell, because of one rebel attack and one teacher that had this like impact on her. Yeah. But it feels really super counterintuitive for me that an someone who has their whole life had the system against them would not immediately side with the people who are fighting the system. Yeah. Because all of her strife, her personal strife has come from, I mean, even her not understanding why she's even at the academy, right? Like, her outsider status aligning immediately with, like, the overarching institutions that have outsided her is so strange. It is so, so weird. It is. And I also, I feel very confused about sort of, like, the groups of people because, like, we're told that people are taken from rock bottom to, like, come to be cadets. Like, her. Mm -hmm. Like, she's from the bottom. But then there's also monsters there are they even lower or they're somewhere else and like terrorizing them because at certain points she's, it sort of feels like she's talking about anyone who's from rock bottom. And so the distinction there gets lost between these like monster bottom dwellers versus the people she comes from. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the babies who are taken from these places there, there are humans living there. So I don't know. It just, it's very confusing to me. I don't think there's it's been explained in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I think I mean they also so they don't explain their like personal histories to each other. Kane's like, Wow, you really hate those people. It'd be hard for me to hate people that I've never even met. Great point, Kane. Uh and she's like, No, it's not that hard. <laughs> and then she says how she doesn't like share anything about number three seventy four, that's Samantha. Um and that Kane in turn never clears up the gossip that his father's a recluse and his mother long dead. So let's just pocket those details for later. I don't know if that maps to anything that we know about like the airborne society up there, but that might come in handy at some point. So, okay. So father's a recluse, mother dead. Dead. What shitty gossip? <laughs> yeah oh my god no one has anything to talk about in this place well your dad doesn't want to go outside and your mom's dead okay yeah. that's not juicy that's not, not gossip all. so then they continue to have a good discussion about like what happens after the simulation exam i would actually love to know what the simulation exam is it's giving like divergent same which i think oh my god don't get me started on that part of divergent because i love veronica roth but that was not done well uh anyways this simulation exam i think is something in that vein of like they're gonna like have a tough simulation and see who like you know can succeed during a, a pr- probably a pretty zany sort of situation right where they're gonna have to like confront their fears and yada 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 anyways after that though Kane's like oh yeah I'm gonna be put on like security detail because he's like not very good at being a cadet like he's just gonna be put someplace like safe and not on the battle lines but everyone it seems to be knows that Lex is going to be put someplace like secret and intense and super cool. Like she's going to have like a secret hidden mission. So he is like, I'm never going to see you again because like we're different levels, girly girl. Like you're good at this. I'm not. And I'm wealthy. Like you're going to be doing something cool. I'm not. Why can't they see each other? I'm so confused. Like you can't meet up at a restaurant. I well because we don't know anything about this world. Like we've never seen right. like anything outside of like the orphanage. We can't even see the orphanage. Like we see the sculpture with spiky eyeballs. That's it. But I would love to have seen even if it was like very briefly just like some of the like metropolitan areas that are underground like to get a sense of like how people travel. And there's there was a few moments that I really pay, paid attention to for each girls where they're being transported between like settings. 
and for Livia, they're just in like a car blasting through the air quickly. Um, and there's other islands um, and the cities below her. And for Lex, similarly, like there was a car and it like was driving through like tunnels until they pulled up at like the orphanage or the like, cadet academy. But yeah, I'm like, can't they just meet up? But I don't know. They they sort of well. We'll Why get to this in a second. Why wouldn't they be able to? They have a plan to meet up though. Like they're gonna meet up, but it's gonna be in the simulations. I think if the idea of like a training to become a something mm-hmm. in a YA appeals to you, I would really try Vampire Academy. Mm-hmm. And in Vampire Academy, they do something really interesting because when the book starts, the main character Rose, who obsessed, love that character. She's already been a trainee to be sort of like a guardian to Mm -hmm. her vampire for years, right? And she has already been in the system, and we meet her at a pivotal moment. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have to watch her be a baby and, like, get there and see the (laughs) whole history. We learn about her as time goes on, especially because it is a series, which Mm -hmm. this was intended to be as well. And you would think that they would leave a little bit of sort of, like, information about their past to sort of seed through the rest of the Mm. book, which I'm sure they have some of that. But sure, I think if you want something like that, they did it in such an interesting way where they set up, like, once you become a guardian, your main focus and devotion is to the person that you're guarding so it is very difficult for you to have like a personal life and like a love interest because this is your everything like you can never leave their side like this Mm -hmm. is what you were made for basically and i think that if there was more of an if there was more of an emphasis on sort of like the dedication that it takes to be a cadet and the jobs that come after it would be a lot easier to understand without even showing us too much of the world outside of it instead they're like maybe i'll be a security guard and it just doesn't seem very (laughs) it just doesn't seem very important like why are we going through all of this then like what is the point yeah yeah i don't i was securing what i don't even know what there is to secure it's very unclear to me i don't know i have a very what we need to be doing (laughs) So for our Discord members, um, not to like trigger everyone, but remember when we were drawing maps of like Ladorno and Model Land and like that where where wild. we thought, yeah, <laughs> just like a very crazy like couple of weeks when we were just like trying to figure out like that we eventually figured out that like Model Land is in the center of a giant like ring of like continents. We thought I don't know. I think I still I'm very unclear about this, but. Someone, someone recently though in Discord did submit sort of like a like a napkin drawing of like what they thought the levels were here, and I'm keeping those two things in mind too. So they're somewhere on our socials if you if you, someone wants to go like look for them too. But it, well, like one of them was like rock bottom, then wherever they are now, then the surface, then the air, and the other person had like a much more um, it was the same person redrew it, but like with the theory that like actually they're like in a dome and all of this is taking place but yeah i have a i've a i'm having a hard time with the world itself too because we're not seeing enough of it um but they're gonna they're gonna be meeting up in the archives so that they they've decided that they're gonna use one of kane's memories his like eighth birthday Mm -hmm. and they're going to meet there because remember citizens can like access their own memories through the archives and somehow access each other's memories with i don't really understand how that works like you have to grant permission but i don't know we know more about the archives than we do anything else but they're gonna meet um in kane's eighth birthday behind like a obelisk that's the plan that's what they're gonna do in like three weeks or something like that why does this have so many things that model land had not a fucking obelisk do you remember the obelisk that showed up in like pepper town or ladorno or whatever yeah why is this happening gravestones wasn't that the case i forget yeah for like for like cl's friends who like were too ugly to go to model land (laughs) and then they died yeah they like died she yeah they died like horrible deaths because they just wanted to be her so bad i don't even remember the details but yeah you're right the second i I saw obelisk i oh god so and then we transition into like a like a sexual tension moment or like a romantic really a romantic tension moment Mm -hmm. between the two of them as like they're basically talking about like maybe never seeing each other again and lex feels that she wants kane to kiss her 
um, which like is sort of a new thing for her. She's like, oh my God, yeah. scintillating. She mentioned a couple of pages ago, like in this chapter that like, yeah. oh, everyone already thought they were engaging. She used the word, I guess, like hooking up. Okay. But, and she said she could easily make it happen, sort of just like lean over. And she's like, no, but I don't want that. Or unless <laughs> like it literally yes. says like or do i or so do I? you got a little inkling mm-hmm. of like oh maybe i do like this guy and now they're having this like romantic tension moment right where yeah she's like it's the boosters it's the boosters and they're like about to kiss and she's like <laughs> we'll be late for rations <laughs> which i think is so so funny i do appreciate the like in world excuse that's kind of fun um, and he's like, if you say so. And so they're having this like steamy moment. Um, and then they like get up. He, she like forces him up. She's like, no, like we got to go. Um, she erases everything from her mind. Cause she's got to focus on the final simulation, not doing drugs with her like artsy fartsy boyfriend. Um, but she, she's like unmistakably like he wanted the same thing. Like I wanted him to kiss me. He wanted me to kiss him. And, like, there's something here. And they sort of end the chapter on being, like, remember, eighth birthday behind the grand obelisk. Like, reaffirming <laughs> that, like, they're going to meet there. And that's, that's they, they they head off to, to rations in the real world. Yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. That is the end of it. I and mean. thank God. Oh, stinker. Pee you. <laughs> it's, mo- it's, it's moments like this. Yeah. Ke- Kelly Clarkson once said a moment like this and a moment yeah. like this is when I realize that it's my own fault. Yeah. For Ever- wanting to do a podcast it's, reading bad books. It's you. It's yeah, no, I know. I mean, okay. So what what do we get out of this? Okay, just to like summarize it cuz I know so the conversations in this book are very confusing cuz they sort of go everywhere. Just to distill this down into like the quick notations for our listeners. It doesn't matter that they're on boosters. This was just an excuse to sort of get them close and feeling woozy. Kane has been vanishing. Kane is probably joining up with the rebellion because we don't know what he's been doing with his time. And after they graduate from the simulation exam, he's just sort of planning to get a like ho hum job doing like security. But Lex, being so talented, she's gonna get a job doing something cool. She's dead set on like decimating rebels because she's like a rocker chick like she likes to throw shit around uh and kane's like having doubts about this and is trying to kind of push her to re-examine some of these like unfounded prejudices against like rock bottom people of which she is one so kane is clearly sympathetic to those people despite being highborn a very classic type of trope in ya uh and they have a plan to meet up at the Grand Obelisk in Kane's memory on his eighth birthday in like a like a few weeks' time, which feels ominous to me. Like I feel like that's gonna be like a little bit of a trap, but I don't know. Yeah, that feels like something's gonna happen. But who knows? Maybe it's nothing. It could very well be nothing. That's what you missed on Glee. That is what you missed on Glee. So let's see. What is your rose and thorn? Do you have one? Hmm. So I think that the rose that I have for this chapter is that Kane is asking the right questions to push our main character to examine really stupid sort of ingrained thought processes. But my thorn is that there is no like psychic foundation for why these thoughts exist in the first place. And so I appreciate like the challenge that he's posing to her. And it's no wonder that her protests or sort of her defense of herself sounds so stupid because there's no actual like emotional or like logical backing to why she feels this way and it's really obvious and I can feel the author sort of like grasping and what they're coming back with was just like it made me so angry like that you know I I couldn't even place my rage right like that sort of type of character who's just like so mad about everything um which people like that definitely exist. Like rage and high emotions can totally surpass our ability to kind of have logical thought, right? Um, but it doesn't make for a compelling character. And that's definitely not what they're trying to do. It's just kind of what they have left to do because they haven't put the right pieces in the right order in terms of like adding up to this really quite unfounded prejudice against like rock bottom people. 
my rose and thorn. How about you? I'm going to say my rose is that we were in one place, one setting for the whole chapter. I feel like it's so rare that we're not like jumping between things and like there's like all these scene breaks and Mm. going back and forth and time jumps. Mm -hmm. We just got this like isolated moment of them in this weird cock uh, (laughs) hidden (laughs) art studio, which I appreciate. Like I love the moment to just like have a normal scene between two characters. Yeah. I'm going to say my thorn is kind of related to yours, which is just like Lex's unfounded counter to what her character would probably do hatred towards like the rock bottom people. Sure. I, I feel like part of the reason why that doesn't work is because she doesn't really have a goal. Like from the beginning, like we don't know what she wants. And like if we knew what she wanted was to get vengeance or answers for Mm -hmm. Samantha, then it would be a lot more believable for her to have this like sort of hatred towards them Mm -hmm. or at least suspicion, at least like, you know, something. But instead, it's just like I'm angry that this happened and that's it. And then separate from that, I also hate these people. She doesn't have a goal related to her friend. Mm hmm disappearing yeah she doesn't want to find out what happened to her she doesn't want to avenge her maybe death she's just angry about it and she's taking it out on them which goes counter to like what a character like her would actually do so it feels very forced totally and i think like i actually love the idea of lex being like really aligned with like the military like I love the idea of her sort of being brainwashed and the propaganda having worked on her it's kind of we talk about this sometimes where we're like you know authors be careful if you write a character who's like an incredible mathematician because like you're gonna have to become an incredible mathematician to like keep up it's, it's sort of like seven in which links is like a know-it-all it's so suddenly like you have to be a know-it-all as well as the author Why did I do that yeah, and the mathematician examples from Mars and the Honeys who, like, loves physics, which, like, kill me. So, like, but at the same time, like, we did the work to make these characters sound sort of solid in their footing. If you're going to write a character right. who's, like, brainwashed by propaganda, that propaganda's got to work on the reader, too. It can't be so paper thin and transparent that, like, we see right through it immediately, but, like, our, the character can't because it automatically cleaves a divide between us and the character. And we're supposed to sort of be like right next to them, like in their skin, but I'm not because I'm like watching this character, like do stupid shit. And I think it's stupid. Right. And we're also getting the propaganda as like something that she's telling us she knows or has heard versus us actually being fed the propaganda or seeing it. Like there's no pamphlets. There's like no news reports. There's no newspapers. There's like, there's nothing that we're seeing. There's no flyers anywhere or things that show like how she's getting brainwashed. Yes. They're in a cadet Academy. Like they could show, like they could have a whole class about like, genetic deformity mutations that occur because of you know like the mutants are a whole thing too and like they could they could have like simulations that they're running that are you know alleged real things like real battles where they actually get to like fight actual rebels right like they have a whole simulation system like why aren't they using it to like brainwash these kids that's that's my issue is that these kids are not being effectively brainwashed against let's the go but Come on. Jesus Christ. Okay, so we have some reader questions that we're going to get to in a second. Before we do, just to wrap things up, please give us a follow on social media, wherever you like to social your media. We are on Twitter at Bad Author Pod, Instagram at Bad Author Book Club. All of our episodes are up on Anchor. And if you'd like to follow me, I am on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at The Ryan LaSala. And I'm on Blue Sky now at just Ryan LaSala. If you want to follow me, Clarabelle, I'm on Insta, Twitter, and Threads at Clarabelle underscore Ortega and I'm also on Blue Sky as Clarabelle Ortega and you can find me on my website at ClarabelleOrtega.com Awesome. So, today's question comes from Nem from Discord and Nem has asked, question for the podcast, how did y'all meet and how did y'all decide to do this podcast? Which is relevant because we were talking about this a moment ago in the sense of blame because this was all Clarabelle's idea but it was my idea we met because Clarabelle and I were both on sort of 
a similar sort of timeline with our like debuts back in the day and Clarabelle was ahead of me and I really like admired and was like watching Clarabelle and Kat and like Phil Stamper and all of these people that I thought were like really cool have like these fun eventful social media happenings and so I think I responded to like everything of Clarabelle's for a little while and then mm-hmm. eventually we became friends because I think I don't know I, my whole goal is like always like make people laugh so probably something I did made you laugh I don't remember but I feel like yeah. we like became friends because of or a little bit after I was on like maybe it was like write or die I think at the time because you were also starting that and there was like a I remember when you asked if I would like be on it I was like so like oh my god it's like so exciting I like admire this person I'm so excited to do this like what a big break for me uh but that that's my that's my recollection what's your recollection yeah, I remember you as a reply guy at first. I just remember Ryan sort of like <laughs> replying to like all my shit. And I was like, who is this weird gay guy? Famously uh, weird and gay. That's my true. Shit. And then eventually, I think you must have broken through the noise of all the weirdos on Twitter somehow. Probably was, asked I first. Think, um, probably. Well, I think also around that time it was like everyone was fighting for their lives on Twitter. There was a lot of like fucking mean shit going on. So it was like immediately sort of like suspicious and defensive of every single person. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to sort of like let people in. Mm -hmm. But like once I started to like really pay attention to like Ryan's like uh, responses and like his tweets, um, I was like, Oh my God, Ryan's actually like really funny and like cool and nice and like not, a weird pushy person and then i was like oh it would be really cool to have them on ride or die and Mm -hmm. then that made me further really like you so it just like took me actually getting to know you but that was hard because it's like difficult to know who to let in and Mm -hmm. who not to let in when it comes to social media especially when like i tend to like really trust people very easily right off the bat and i've Mm. been burned so many times and i'm the type of person that is like if everyone hates somebody, I'm like, well, maybe they're nice deep down inside. <laughs> Night beast coded. I don't do that anymore. That's fair. However, the, so the sum uh, of this is basically. It took me a while, yeah. Twitter. I, ma- I, ma- I made it out of Clarabelle's like slush pile. That's what happened. I survived the slush and I made it into Clarabelle's heart. Make me sound like such a bitch. It was more for protection. I just was like worried about becoming friends with someone who wasn't like actually a good person because mm-hmm. I've had so many bad experiences sure. in the author world but Ryan and I we have such a deep connection mm. because we've been through very similar things and I think yep. that's when we really really started to be like close friends when we both realized how many things we had in common yeah oh my gosh yeah and um and yeah I feel really grateful that like you were persistent about <laughs> messaging me because then I would have missed out on such a great person. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, I mean, like, I didn't know anybody in publishing and it sort of right. mm-hmm. is like a baffling place to enter. And you sort of see all these like dynamics that seem like they've been in motion for a hundred jillion years. And I feel like that's kind of how a lot of things in my life have gone where I've like entered a party and I'm like, well, this is already in motion. How do I like, hop into the slipstream and like feel this momentum right because i feel like i'm on the outside of it too so i very much have an approach of like all right like i know that i'm fun i know that i'm like a good time um i've got like all these things that i know people enjoy um let me just try let me just talk to the people that i think are are interesting and here's the thing the hottest person at the party no one's trying to talk to them because everyone's afraid of them but i talk to them I talked to Clarabelle. That's oh. that's why that's why oh, I'm the hottest person. You're the hottest party. person. Oh, and thank you very much. As for how the podcast started, one day during the pandemic, I got this like cursed message from Clarabelle <laughs> telling me about Model Land and asking if it was something that would be like fun to to read. And Clarabelle, like you guys have to understand, when Clarabelle approaches you with like an idea, it's not just an idea; it's like a business plan. It was crazy. <laughs> Clarabelle had like a whole idea, like pitched me on it, like practically with like a whiteboard and like a pen pointer. Uh, yeah, and... that's how I am. That's my brain. That's how my brain works. Right. And it's always like, it's always like a, like hundred texts all at once. And like, 
it doesn't matter what the fuck you're doing. Like, you're going to get all these texts <laughs> and you're going to have to just, like, sit up in bed, get up. And you're going to like it. And you're going to listen. <laughs> so it was one of those It was one of those things. So it was Clarabelle's idea. So if anyone yeah. deserves the blame, it's Clarabelle. <laughs> it is me. And uh, the reason I came up with the idea is because, you know, it was the pandemic and I was very mm-hmm. bored. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at YouTube videos and one of my favorite videos to look at was Marco Shiro used to have a channel and like a blog and like this sort of like media thing that they did called Mark does stuff. Oh yeah. uh, They would read kind of bonkers bananas books and give summaries on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. Mark is so funny. So, they give they gave a summary on the first chapter of Modeland, and I was like, "Holy crap! I want to read the rest of this book. It would make such a good podcast." And I was like, "But I don't want to do it by myself because just like me talking about a book by myself would mm. be not fun." I was like, "Who would definitely do this and be really funny at it?" And I was like, "Ryan." <laughs> so then yes. I was like, "Ryan, guess what? <laughs> Get yeah. a microphone. Yeah, We're yeah, doing yeah. a podcast. We're doing a podcast." <laughs> And we did. And so here we are, like, a hundred-something episodes later. Yeah, Still fighting. I mean, not a hundred. It feels like a hundred. It's probably, I mean, hundreds of hours, that's for hundreds sure. Hundreds of hours. <laughs> hundreds of ta- hours. Hundreds of uggs from me. Because oh, I'm always like, ugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit, bitch. Seriously. So thank you, Nem, for your question. That's a fun one to answer. And that, I feel like that's good, too, because I don't know that everyone who's tuned in for season two knows our, our origin. And it's funny because you can, like, right. listen listening to season one, you can hear us in real time, like, figuring out how to do this like the podcast name changes halfway through we never bother to, to sort of go back and like reestablish the brand so whatever it's like <laughs> yeah whatever we're here uh we're queer and we are reading horrible fucking books but yeah thank you for the question <laughs> please hot queens feel free to submit more and more um also claire well, i don't know if you've noticed but in absence of us last week the bad author book club discord like hosted their own episode <laughs> did you see this what? on discord no. yeah so i haven't had a second to read everything yet because i just got back like yesterday but there was like like people were sharing about their own horrible book experiences like just like oh, the like the I craziest shit they've like ever read and um i think one of our users tried to record like their own like mini sode but it was like 20 minutes and it couldn't be sent through discord <laughs> so <laughs> i was I was like, this is so fun. Like, in absence of, like, us, like, they were like, all right, we're actually We've not going to go a week. Like, we're going to go ahead and provide ourselves. So you guys just... are you guys are crackheads. I can't They're believe you did that. And so I love you funny. so much. Love them to death. Oh, my God. We love you. And it's good to it's good to be back. And thank you for giving us the week off so that we could l- launch a book and finish yeah. deadlines and stuff. But and yes, oh, but all this to say. We will see you next week, Hot Queens. We will. Love you. Biggest kisses. on drugs. That sounds like a place in England. Cock on drugs? Uh, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, go yonder to cock on drugs. Haunted, you light up my world like nobody else. The way that you meow at me is overwhelming because usually it occurs at three o'clock. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-oh. Three in the morning. Ow, don't bite me. I was singing. That song was for you.